The Daily Tap is live for Wednesday. It is May 3rd. We are talking about why the Jordan Love extension brings promise to the Packers for the next couple of years. We're also going to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks one week later. Do you feel better? Do you feel worse? Do you feel the same? We'll also discuss a little bit of the Eastern Conference playoffs I'm not going to talk too much about the West because it doesn't exactly matter, although I do have a quick Denver take as well. We're going to also chat about the Milwaukee Brewers potentially having an April curse. Uh, I'll explain that, and then we'll probably get out of here. Uh, but before we get started, just a reminder, you can follow along on social media, Tabby Nakai on Twitter, Tabby Nakai Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. We put up that very creepy AI Gremlin um, on Instagram and TikTok. If you haven't seen that for some some reason, you're not on Twitter. Um, you got to check that out. Um, I gave my thoughts. It was terrifying. Also, if you're not a social media person, but you want to subscribe to this podcast, we are on Apple, we're on Spotify, wherever else you get your podcast. If somebody shared this with you and you're new to the program, welcome. Join our family. If you're already here, get more people involved. We had an awesome month in April. We're trying to have a better month in May. If there's things I can do to make it better, please let me know. The DMs are open. I will always take your suggestions, even if I don't agree with them. I will always take your suggestions. So, and if there's something I'm doing wrong, something that's annoying you, um, I, I'm all ears. Um, I want to make this as much of a community as humanly possible. So appreciate you all. Um, and thank you for listening all of April. It meant a lot to me. Thank you to all of those that jumped on with me. Uh, Mitchie, obviously, every week. Murph, Shay Ken, Mike. Um, all, everybody, it was a lot of fun. Makes me want to do more guest stuff. It obviously seems to be something that interests you, gets more people involved. Um, again, building that communal aspect. So we'll try to think about more opportunities for that. I don't know exactly what that looks like, what that feels like, but we'll, we'll get that. I promise you. So, all right, enough talking. Let's talk about Jordan Love and the extension. This morning, the Green Bay Packers gave Jordan Love an extension. They gave him a two-year, $22 million deal with $13 million of that guaranteed. The Packers bypass the fifth-year option and instead extend Jordan Love's contract for two years. This is a very smart move by all parties. Everybody wins in this scenario. There are going to be people that are saying Jordan Love is try is not betting on himself, that the Packers are playing it safe with Jordan Love, and I think it's just people don't understand ball. I know that's a very cliche term, but I think some people have a misunderstanding that because so many people have said like, oh, yeah, this is what you do. You pick up the fifth-year option or you decline the fifth-year option and then you risk that player paying you back like Daniel Jones did and now the Giants are on the hook for four years, $160 million. Now, I realize that that is not exactly $160 million and the Giants will not have to pay that all if Daniel Jones turns into a pumpkin again. I am of the belief that Daniel Jones will not, actually, because I think Brian Dable is one of the best coaches in all of the NFL, but that's here nor there. The Packers did it differently, and they did it the right way. I would not be surprised if this is something that people do in the future, especially if it works out. 
We hear it all the time. It's very cliche, but the NFL is a copycat league. So if one team does it, they succeed. Another team's going to do it. Trust me when I say there will be teams that run the rugby scrum that the Philadelphia Eagles ran last season. That will be a play implemented by multiple teams. I don't know which teams those are, but I will guarantee you, you will see multiple teams doing that. And then there will be a big discussion on if fourth and ones are overrated. Like if fourth and ones are not what they used to be. We will certainly have a lot of discussion around fourth and ones and if that play should be banned. And the NFL, people in the NFL try to get that banned. Owners try to get that banned and it was unsuccessful. But back to the extension. This is this is a great move. This is something that winning franchises do. And for all the consternation that there was about the contract to give to Rodgers or some of the other decisions that they've made in the last couple of years, maybe the succession plan with Devontae Adams, it seems like Green Bay has kind of recentered themselves, right? They had this awesome draft. Now they do this deal with Jordan Love and it seemed, and they restructure Darnell Savage, who I do want to mention at the very end of this. Uh, it seems like they're in a good position. It seems like they're really sort of finding themselves again. And I don't know if it was this weird Aaron Rodgers cloud that Aaron Rodgers sort of made them walk on eggshells where they didn't know how Aaron would react to certain moves. And because of that, they didn't want to do the things that they felt confident in. I don't know that. I think that will be for a book that somebody writes 10 to 15 years down the road about the final weeks, months of Aaron Rodgers, because I do think that book is coming out at some point. But Green Bay extends now their viewing window on Jordan Love. And I think that is exactly what the Green Bay Packers want. The Green Bay Packers now are able to get a good sense of Jordan Love in the next two years. That they're able to make sure that they know exactly what they're getting with Jordan Love. And if they want to pay and break the bank for Jordan Love, that they can do that. If they want to use the construct of the Jalen Hurts deal or the Lamar Jackson deal, or deals that will be coming down the road, they will make sure that Jordan Love gets paid. I would imagine that Green Bay is going to keep some trepidation there, understanding, like, front-loading the deal, right, with guaranteed money that they could get out of, just because even when Jordan Love is going to get paid, he's not going to have the depth of experience that some of the other guys, such as a Joe Burrow, for example, will have. And I think that has to be taken into effect. But Green Bay is now going to at least get to look at it for for at least a year, and if not a year plus. I think Green Bay, after next year, will do a deal. Or if they feel like Jordan Love needs to work for it and he needs to kind of do what Daniel Jones did, they will do that and they will draft a quarterback. And I think that has been their plan all along. I told you guys that 2024 is an absolutely loaded draft for quarterbacks. I am already excited about this college football season. I think you're, you could draft a guy like Jordan Travis, for example, out of Florida State. Actually, I'm probably going to go first round early, but who knows, right? 
But even if the Packers maybe are bad, right? Maybe they're not very good. I think you could draft Jordan Travis with the 10th overall pick. And then it's a quarterback competition between Jordan Love and Jordan Travis. Maybe I'm overvaluing Jordan Travis. I probably should look at a mock draft before I do this. I was going to use like Michael Penix, but Penix could be drafted in the top five. Caleb Williams, obviously number one. Drake May is probably going to be number two. I don't think the Packers are going to be that bad. But I've, I've advocated, honestly, if the Packers are 2-6 and six or 2-7 and seven to start the year, taint the fuck out of this for Caleb Williams because he's a generational talent. Um, and I think that guy does not come around every draft. So yes, Green Bay now has a full picture on what they can do with Jordan Love. It doesn't mean that this year is a complete indication. They pick up the option on Jordan Love. They would have done that, which would have been about the same amount of money, been $20 million. So it would have been for one year versus spreading it out over two years. That would have meant that the following year, Green Bay would have had to decide whether we want to keep Jordan Love on a franchise tag or we want to sign him to a long-term deal. And the franchise tag would have probably been in the range, I think, of 35 to $40 million. It's a lot of money for a quarterback that will have one year of starting experience under his belt. Now Green Bay gets to look at it a little bit more and really sort of work probably with Love and his agent, if Love is successful, on a new contract and what that looks like. And to me, if I'm Green Bay, I think there is a way they don't have to give Jordan Love a mega deal. If Jordan Love is great, let's just say he's excellent for 12 games. I think there will be a lot of discussion. Is that enough to pay Jordan Love? If it's like three, if it's like a three-year, hundred million dollar deal, or maybe one fifty, right now that's too much. Three one twenty-five, maybe, or something like that, with some guaranteed and some ways to get out of it. I don't know something short-term, and then say to Jordan, like, if you keep performing, like, we'll get get you a long-term, we'll get you a contract extension. Maybe that's the path to go. Uh, we'll we'll just have to see. As for Jordan Love. This means that there's not as much pressure on him, right? Jordan Love already is going to feel the weight of Aaron Rodgers. And he's going to feel that Aaron Rodgers is on his shoulders at least for probably the first two home games. Probably the first month of the season. There's going to be that shadow of Aaron Rodgers. I think that shadow of Aaron Rodgers gets larger if Green Bay is, let's say, 2-4 and four to start the year and the New York Jets are 5-1. and one. That's going to loom large. There are going to be people killing the Packers. Why'd they let them go? Aaron Rodgers still has it. Aaron Rodgers MVP talk. Jordan Love, is he the guy? It, it's going to get really fucking silly. And I don't think Packer fans are ready for that. Murph alluded to this last week when we talked uh, in our preview pod. We talked about the Rodgers Love thing. I don't think Packer fans are ready for those discussions. They are all in on love, but they are not ready to, you know, sort of defend that. And and I'm not ready to hear that either. And I'm not saying it's fair to Jordan Love. I'm not saying it's, honestly, it's not even fair to Aaron Rodgers from 5-1, right? Like, it's a long way to go into the season. Who knows what the Jets' schedule looks like? Who knows what, you know, everything else. Like, there, there's so much there that you have to consider. Same with Love, right? If they have a tough schedule, like if they start out and they have to play the Lions, they have to play the Chiefs, they have to play the Chargers. Um, that's Viking, even in Minnesota, I think it's really tough early on. Like that's a that's a recipe to not succeed if you're Jordan Love. But 
overall, the pressure will not be there for Love to immediately, immediately be the guy. I think the Packers are going to give him every option, every opportunity to succeed, though. I don't think there's going to be a situation where Jordan Love is set up for failure. I think Matt LaFleur wants to prove it to the rest of the league that his record and everything was not because of Aaron Rodgers. It was a combination of Rodgers and LaFleur, and LaFleur is one of the best coaches in the NFL. I think there are players that want Jordan Love to be great on this roster. A.J. Dillon's a close friend of his, but he immediately quote-tweeted Love's extension and had the hashtag let 10 spin, which I really liked. I think, you know, Romeo Dobbs, I think Christian Watson, you saw it in that Eagles game with Watson, right? There was an immediate connection with Jordan Love. And I think we talked about it with Mitch, and Mitch had this point, so I don't want to say that I was taking this from him, that if... Jordan Love played against Chicago. They would have won that game. Like, they would have beat Chicago without Aaron Rodgers. And I think Aaron Rodgers knew that. Aaron Rodgers knew how good Jordan Love was. That's why Aaron Rodgers became so cagey. That's why Aaron Rodgers knew his time was done in Green Bay. Because he saw the development with his own eyes. Aaron Rodgers is a lot of things, but he's not stupid. And I do think that that is going to help alleviate the pressure a little bit on Love. But it does create a little bit of, it doesn't have to be immediate. You don't have to be great year one. I realize that's loser talk and I'm setting everybody up for another 500 season. I promise you I'm not doing that. But what I am prom- what I am doing is just saying like, there's a lot to think about. There's a lot there that you have to consider. So I do want to everybody to keep that in mind as we go forward. Now, does this mean the Packers are a year away from being successful? The rebuild question is something I want to get into like very deep and I keep teasing it. I feel like I am, you know, so <laughs> I was going to make a comment and I'm not going to do it. Uh, it's not late enough for that comment, but I, I feel like I'm just a tease. Let's just put it that way. And I will do it next week, all right? We're definitely going to do it next week. Um, I'm going to do importance rankings on Friday for May, which you guys love. It's one of the, our more popular monthly things that we do. We're going to get that done at the at the Friday, uh, so it'll be May the 5th. So a little, even a little behind. If it wasn't for the love extension and everything else, we would probably done it today. But we're going to do it. We're going to do it at the end. And then next week, maybe on Monday, we'll do, you know, sort of the rebuilding conversation. And we'll kind of go through it all and say, are they actually rebuilding? I would say that this is a point towards rebuilding. That this is the Packer saying, like, to Jordan Love, what I just repeated. Like, not to parrot myself, but it doesn't have to just be this year. That we really want to look at you for multiple years and we want to see what you have you know, on this roster. So I I do acknowledge that. And I do think that is something we have to think about, but I still love the talent on this defense. I, I think offensively, there is a opportunity. I think this NFC is incredibly weak. Um, listening to Booger McFarland on Ryan Rosillo's podcast today, he was saying how the Lions were the team that was like the fourth team. And he said how sexy the Lions are gonna be. And he's absolutely right. There are going to be people putting the Lions in the Super Bowl. I hope everybody's ready for the Lions to be in the Super Bowl. That's going to be a thing. People are going to do it. They're going to think they're zagging. And everybody, 
all these Mina Kimes of the world. No disrespect, but just that's kind of her her bag. Is she thinks she zags, but it's really not a zag. And that's basically what it's going to be. She's going to put the Detroit Lions in the Super Bowl. Um, and it won't. she won't be the only one. So no, no disrespect, but it's just sort of what I think sometimes the media, sort of that, I wouldn't even want to call it alternative media, but sort of that new media, the new NFL media does with some of their Super Bowl and some of their predictions where like, oh my God, can you believe I said this? And it's like, yeah, everyone's kind of thinking this. It becomes this big group thing. But yeah, I, I do think the Packers can be a playoff team. I, I will stand on the table and say that. So that might give you a hint on my opinion on the rebuild part. But another story for another time, I'm happy the, the Packers did figure this out with Jordan Love. I do not think the roster building is done. I know they have a full roster. I know they brought in a lot of undrafted free agents. I love Brenton Cox. We talked about him on a podcast with Murph on, I think it was our our preview show, that he's just a nut job, but I'm okay with it. I'm totally all right with that. I'm really excited about him as an undrafted guy. I think that I was a little dismissive of Anthony Johnson Jr. Seems like there are some people who think he can start even as a seventh, seventh round pick. I'll believe that when I see it. Speaking of that, uh, Darnell Savage was also restructured today. That was kind of a footnote in uh, Rob Domofsky's story. Um, and the Packers believe that Darnell Savage will have more of an impact on this defense this season. Now, so what's coming from Savage's agent, it seemed like. So I, I will say, let's take this for a grain of salt. But, ah, uh, man, I don't know. I don't know what you saw last year that made you think Darnell Savage has a bounce back here in him. I, I will tell you what right now. If Darnell Savage balls out, I will be banging on the table to not resign him. I, I, there is nothing you can do. Uh, I don't have a Jake that Big Cat does for part of my take because this is where Jake would, or Big Cat would tell Jake, Jake, write this down. So if someone wants to be that, please put it in your notes. Charlie, do not talk yourself into a Darnell Savage extension uh, and remind me about it, let's say November 1st. Uh, because that would be the time where I'd be like, well, you know, like Savage is playing so well. Like maybe, maybe there's something here. But yeah, uh, no, no fucking thanks. Uh, I, I'll believe when I see it. And even if he balls out, let him get paid by another team. Let let the Vikings pay him next year for all I care. That's very that would be very Vikings actually. Uh, but yes, so Packers job's not done. I, I do think you could still bring in some veterans. I think wide receiver for sure. Um, if you want to run it back, I know Randall Cobb's number got taken, so probably not Randall Cobb. Uh, but Jarvis Landry's a name that's been popped up. Uh, I would love, I think someone else mentioned Shelby Harris on the inside, Mequon guy. I, I would love that. I think that would be great. Um, but yeah, I, I still think there are some holes to fix. And I, I still think you need a couple more vets on this team. I think they're just a touch young. Uh, and if they go in young, so be it. And we'll see what happens. But I think with a couple more veterans, I actually think this could be a really well-rounded roster. All right, let's move on to the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, it is a week later since the Milwaukee Bucks collapsed against the Miami Heat for the second straight game. Last week, we were heading into this game. So usually I tape Tuesday night. So we were heading into this game. We had talked about getting ready for game five. I'd done the pod with Shaken. We had all these questions, you know, heading into it. And then game five happened and I was up till 2.45 in the morning. And it was something that haunted me as a sports fan. I, honestly, it was, it might be, I know I'm in the moment right now, but it might be the worst loss I had as a sports fan. 
I think just maybe not worse because like 2014 with the Packers and 2011 Packer Giants, like those were those were really bad too. But this one might be the most embarrassing. This is this would be on par, even though that they were a young team and everything else. But if Marquette would have lost to Vermont, I would have felt probably the same way I did about the Bucks losing to the Heat. Even with the Heat playing well in the second second round, we'll talk a little Heat next at the end of this. Like, I just, it was embarrassing, man. And it still is embarrassing. It hasn't gotten better. It's gotten worse, actually. You're watching these games and you're like, first of all, how are the Bucks not there? It's number one. Number two, I can't tell you how many guys I've seen on different rosters and I'm like, oh, that guy would have been fucking great. Like, I, I've said it now twice about Contavious Caldwell-Pope. I've said it twice about Bruce Brown. And I, I've put into more question to John Horst and kind of what he's doing from a roster building perspective. Austin Reeves is another guy. Why didn't the Bucks go after, you know, a Jared Vanderbilt or a Jaden McDaniels, kind of a lanky young guard, young wing? Why didn't Marjan Bochamp play more? Uh, Shafty pointed that out yesterday, that Christian Braun basically played all down the stretch. And then Christian Braun starting to figure it out in the playoffs which was probably by design. Why didn't Bud let that happen? I don't know. But I'm I'm beating myself up still about the books. Like, I, I really am. Like, to, even today, like, this is sicko shit. But the Heat and Knicks don't play game three till Saturday afternoon. And I was like, God, imagine, I have a group chat that got so fired up about start times and all this other bullshit around the Bucks. And could you imagine the bitching of, oh, can you believe we don't have a game till Saturday? They would be so fired up. So I'm imagining fake fucking group chats. Like, that's how down bad I still am. Like, I just haven't got over it. And I think it's hard when you're watching it every night. Uh, And right now, as I'm actually taping during the end of the Lakers-Warriors game, which at some point I'll probably hit the pause button on here and enjoy the final five minutes. But at the same time, like, I I just can't, I can't kind of wrap my head around it. I, even though, like, it's just, like, I was going to say, even though there were warning signs, but I don't think there were. Like, the, the only warning sign was the collapse stuff, but I, I it, it just still drives me crazy. It, and I haven't had a lot, of, lot like this. The Packers won in 2022, drove me nuts kind of all the way till the Super Bowl because I knew we were better than that Rams team. And I knew we had that Rams team number. I know that McVay gets put in a locker every time he faces LaFleur. I know Matt Stafford and his wife poop their pants when they see Aaron Rodgers come to town. I know the Packers are fucking better than that team. I I know that. I still know that. And it's two almost now two years ago uh, when the NFL starts their calendar. And I know we would have beat Joe Burrow and the upstart Bengals that year. I don't know if I'm going to have that same feeling. I certainly am probably going to have it in the East. But man, oh man, it just feels like a missed opportunity. And it and that was how 2022 felt. Because it's like Chris Middleton stays healthy. We, we probably beat deep. But I don't know, do we? Like, that's now, I, I think we have to at least have that discussion. Do, do we win in 2022 against Miami? That Miami team was really good. And yeah, we beat them in 21, but do we beat them in 2022? Are we sure on that anymore? 
Like, that's a great, like, thing to think about. Because maybe that makes 22 a little bit better. It's not a guarantee that we beat that Heat team. Just what we saw this year, I, I think we have to have to reconsider that. That that was a walk to the finals. And while I do think the Bucs would have beat the Knicks pretty handily, I don't know what would have happened in the Eastern Conference Finals. We had some bad moments against both Philly and Boston. So, I don't know. Maybe as the finals go on, maybe we have to check in every week and see I do feel better. Maybe not every week, but every other week going forward and see if if the feelings still remain strong or if you know some of it's dissipated and we've moved on to next season. I think you know, we've talked about the sensitivity around Mike Budenholzer, but if there is movement on that, I think that will change a lot of the mindset. But it does seem like the Bucks need to figure out a little bit how to, how to rebuild, not the sense that we usually use rebuild. How do they retool? How do we make this roster fit Giannis perfectly? Because I don't know if they did that this year. I think they stuck about a lot of veteran experience guys and threw it all together and hope that all of these guys worked out in the end. But in the end, they were all washed up. So John Horace does have to go back to drawing board. I'm not saying John Horace is under question, but I, I am a little less like John Horace is the guy. It's not, I wouldn't go as far to say Horace I trust anymore. I would just say, I like John Horace. I think he knows what he's doing. I'll, I'll at least put my faith in John Horace. Trust might be a little bit too far. As for the other series in the Eastern Conference so far, uh, the Miami Heat being able to fight with the Knicks without Jimmy Butler is probably a bad sign for the Knicks. Uh, I still think the Knicks are going to be okay. I don't think the Knicks are going to completely and utterly fall apart here. Uh, I, I They can win in Miami. They've won in Miami before. They... It, Jimmy Butler is terrifying, yes. But I, I think the Knicks, as they're going to get into it, at some point, I think the Heat are going to wear down. And you're I don't know if you're exactly seeing it just yet. I, I think Spolster is doing a damn good job with this team right now. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't expect the Heat to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. As for the... Stunning loss that Boston suffered against Philadelphia in game one. I kind of saw it coming. I, I was on Sixers plus 10. I felt like they did well without Embiid. I did not expect James Harden to go off for 45 points uh, and DeAndre Melton to be a really you know great contributor. Another talk about another guy that could have really made sense with the Bucs. Um, I, I, I might kind of need to create an all-star team, I think, of guys who are still in the playoffs that I would have rather would have preferred on the Bucks roster that were realistic, right? That's the other caveat. I can't just be like, oh, Steph Curry. Like, fuck, of course. Philly thing, I, I man, I don't know. I Philly might Philly might be Boston. Like, I, I don't expect them to win tonight. Like, I, I definitely think Boston will win that game. I don't know if they're going to smoke them, but I, I think Boston will win. They've bounced back pretty nicely after losses too, so that's something to keep in mind. It seems like they kind of always have the dead cat bounce where after they lose, it's immediately they're right back up and they're like, okay, the vibes are high. Uh, they, they, I, and I, can you really expect Harden to be that good? Can you expect Melton to be that good? Tobias Harris really can't guard Jason Tatum. Um, you're going to need Embiid out there. And you're going to need, you can't win this series without Joel Embiid. Probably can win two games, but that's, that's probably it, right? Uh, so, I do, I, I'm more impressed with the Sixers team. 
I think the frustrate the really the most frustrating thing about watching the Boston that that game specifically is Joe Mazzola is a terrible coach. Joe Mazzola is easily the worst coach out of the eight that are left. Um, if I had to do it quickly, Mazzola's eight, Monty Williams seven. I'd put Doc Rivers fifth. No, would I put Tibbs? Let's go Tibbs five, Doc Rivers four. Oh, am I gonna really go? No, maybe Darvin Ham four, uh, three, two. This is all on the fly. Mike Malone, two, Steve Kerr, one, Eric Spolstra. I think that would be my list. And that's a very debated list. But Joe Mazzola is easily the worst. And he might have the most talented roster, but he also might have, be the worst coach. And he does not know what to do in these late game situations. And I said that all fucking regular season. And I said, you know what? I do think even with all the shit Bug gets, I think we have a coaching advantage there. I think we can succeed there. And Doc did real well against him yesterday. And Doc's not known for being a playoff coach. He's kind of the Chris Paul of playoff coaches. And yet he he was able to be awesome against him. So, man, I, yeah. This, again, you go back to what I how I started. A lot of negative thoughts watching these games being like, really? He couldn't have just fucking beat the Heat four times? Fuck Kevin Love, man. I, I really, it's just, it, it's more than that because the collapse has happened. And, you know, I, there's a world, as I said last Wednesday, there's an alternative world where it was 3-2. We're going out on set on Friday night to watch the Bucks try to close it out against the Heat. And we would be reacting to game two tonight. Instead, I'm here talking to you, wallowing in my sorrows, having a fucking pity party for myself. So there you go. Uh, that's where, where we're at. It's it's not great, man. But uh, I'm sure we'll talk more. We're definitely talking more NBA tomorrow with Mitch. Uh, we're going to kind of do an exit interview for the Milwaukee Bucks, sort of just look at everything. Uh, and we'll ask him the question if he feels better or worse for the same. Oh, incredible block by LeBron here. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, we will uh, we'll have that and uh, look forward to that tomorrow with Mitch. All right, let's wrap up today's show with the Milwaukee Brewers. Milwaukee Brewers lost today. Uh, we're not exactly going to be talking about the game itself. I will mention they lost 3-2 uh, to the Colorado Rockies. But, man, Freddie Peralta, just incredible in this game. Freddie Peralta was so, so good. Uh, he had 25 swing and misses. One of the tops of the Brewers' history uh, was the best swing and miss game since Corbin Burns last year when he was dominant in that start at Wrigley Field. Uh, but yeah, it was awesome to see Freddie out there. He really likes Coors Field. I don't know if it's just he's so focused because you have to be perfect as a pitcher in Coors Field. And so maybe the Brewers find a way to make sure that Freddie, you know, pitches well there. Like, what do they have to do? Like, do they have to put the ball in like the Coors Field humidors. Actually, I don't think that's allowed. Do they have to like tell him like just picture the mountains? Like how how does this work? Where do we have to take him up to like Little Swiss and get him like just focused on the mindset? But yeah, it was awesome stuff from Fred. Really, really great. And, and definitely something that he can take into his next start. So hopefully we continue to get that version of Friday Peralta, the rest of I wouldn't say rest of the season, but let's just say the next few starts. How about that? Let's talk about the April curse cup. Uh, so the Milwaukee Brewers finished with the fourth best record in April, 18 and 10. 
Uh, as someone noted to me, it's kind of hilarious that this is the fourth best record for the Milwaukee Brewers in the month of April, just considering you know how this franchise has been around since 1970, and this is their fourth best April. Uh, feels <laughs> like that says a lot about where this franchise has been, some of the valleys, but this has certainly been a good start. It's been a fun start. I think they've brought a ton of people in uh, to Brewers baseball. I think some of the people, some of the naysayers uh, from this winter have sort of went away. Uh, you don't see as much sell the team stuff uh, with Mark Ananasio, which is extremely refreshing. And we've went over that a hundred times on why that was so stupid. Uh, it still is. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's been a really good start for them. Unfortunately, April's good Aprils have led to ominous finishes. Uh, what do I mean by that? The Milwaukee Brewers, in their last three top Aprils, have not made the playoffs. Now, 87, the streak team streak, the team that started out 13-0, uh, they had the best April of any of the Milwaukee Brewer teams. That Brewer team was 91-71. and 71. They were third in the American League East. All right, the Brewers were in the American League uh, before they switched in 1999, I believe that was. Uh, but the Brewers were third. The Toronto Blue Jays had 96 wins, and the Detroit Tigers had 98 wins. And the way that baseball did it back then is only the top teams from the East and the West got in. Now, obviously, this was 31 years ago. They didn't know social, they, they didn't even know computers back then. We were just probably getting out of the cocaine era. Uh, we were heading into, you know, the late 80s sort of, I don't think we're at grunge yet. That 87, weird time uh, to be around, you know, be alive. Uh, I don't know a ton of my late 80s knowledge. A lot of my 80s knowledge is like early upfront 80s. Uh, but yeah, late 80s, not not too much. Uh, but anyways, all right. So here's how wild this whole, this 87 year is. So the Minnesota Twins win the West of the AL at 85 wins. The Brewers were six wins better than that. The Toronto Blue Jays, who also didn't make the playoffs, were 11 wins better than that Twins team. Tigers were great. They were wagging 98 wins. So you think, oh, the Tigers you know, won the World Series. The Tigers got to the World Series. No. The Tigers were losing five games to that Minnesota Twins team. And then that Minnesota Twins team beats the St. Louis Cardinals in seven games to win their first World Series. Shows you some the unpredictable nature of baseball playoffs, first of all. But second of all, the Brewers got royally screwed. So that 87-1, you could make a case, is not fair. You shouldn't include that in the curse, which I, I will hear. I will hear that out. Because you could say, if it was a regular playoffs back in the day, and you or not back in the day, but in present day, the Brewers would have made the playoffs. The Brewers would have been a three seed. Uh, the Brewers would have won the AL Central division because Minnesota was in that division. They would have won that division. Or actually, they would have took second as a wild card because the Tigers would have been there too. I mean, that was a loaded division. Minnesota would have finished third. They wouldn't even have been in the fucking playoffs. It's a wild that is, and how bad baseball was for a while with their divisions. Uh, just kind of sit on that anytime you're complaining about divisions and how things are structured. Baseball had it real bad back in the day. 14, though, could build a, build a case for the curse. 14, the Brewers started off red hot. 
It looked like it was going to be the first Brewers playoff team, you know, since 2011. It also felt like kind of a last ride. Brewers were getting a little bit older. Uh, you know, this was gone were the days of Prince Fielder. You know, guys like Ricky Weeks and Corey Hart were all getting older as well. That Milwaukee Brewer team would finish the year in the last three months of the season, 31 and 45. They were awful down the stretch. They were 9 and 16 in both June and September. I can remember I was deathly sick that September, weirdly enough. And I was just starting to date now my now wife. And the Brewers just absolutely crumbled and fell apart. I still remember a pit, a Friday night Pittsburgh game where Giovanni Gallardo pitched pretty well. And it was kind of a do or die spot for the Brewers. And they fell apart in the eighth inning. I forget who the pitcher was. It was, oh, who was it? It was, it was bad though. It was really, really rough. It was a tough, tough pill to swallow that 2014 team. Because that was the first, like, real sort of, I guess, collapse, if you will, for the Milwaukee Brewers. Like, I guess 2007 you could consider that. But the Brewers were so young, and then the 2008 season happens right after it. And so 2007 gets kind of memory hold in that. But, yeah, that Pittsburgh loss is one that stands out. You don't – it has to be really bad to remember just a random regular season baseball loss. But it goes back to my – overall theory on PNC Park. That weird shit always happens at PNC Park. Let me see if I can find this loss. It was, let's see, Pittsburgh. Was it this one? It's 4-2 Brewers loss. It was, I thought it was a Friday night. Brewers would come back and win one nothing the next day, and then they would lose the following day one uh, nothing as well. Uh, so that Brewer, and the Brewers were struggling, you know, at that point. And Pittsburgh, I think Pittsburgh was, that might have been one of the good Pittsburgh years, if I'm not mistaken. Pulling up the box score now. Yeah, Pittsburgh was 83 and 70. And that one, this is wild radio. Yes, the Brewers gave up four runs in the eighth inning. That's right. And the losing pitcher was Jonathan Broxton. I knew it was a fat pitcher. I was like, it's a fat pitcher. Who the fuck was it? And yeah, it was Jonathan Broxton. I, I, now, now it's all it's all coming clear to your boy. Uh, that was bad. He gave up a home run to Russell Martin with two on. That's right. Giovanni Gallardo had 11 strikeouts, scoreless, ace-type shit, and Jonathan Broxton fucked it all up. It was his eighth-blown save of the year. Uh, oh, God. Now it all goes back. Now it all comes back to me as I'm looking at this. Fuck, I hated Jonathan Broxton. I really should do that. That's a good summer summer topic of hated brewers. Jonathan Broxton was way up there. I fucking hated Jonathan Broxton. Uh, no love for him uh, on this side of the aisle. Uh, also, 2022 uh, was a great April start. Remember, the Brewers had the best 50-game 50 50 start of their entire franchise. And then they just could not play good baseball from June on. They were inconsistent. They were just 500 the rest of the way. The Brewers were extremely frustrating even before the hater trade happened. They could not beat bad teams. They lost so many games. The Chicago Cubs, Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, they were 15-5 and five in interleague. So you think about this year with a balanced schedule and you just kind of wonder if that was there last year. Would the Brewers have actually been a playoff team? Would Josh Hader not got traded? I do think when you look back at how weird that year was and how bad they were, and you really have to go into the weeds about like how they had bad records against the Pirates and the Cubs, and like that had played such a huge factor in why 2022 
went off the rails. It was really not necessarily about any major collapse. It was just death by a thousand cuts. Like they just were bad against bad teams. And that just was unacceptable. And it, it just led to led to the failure, right? Uh, overall, for example, they're nine and 10 against Chicago. They were 11 and eight against Pittsburgh, but a lot of those wins were early on. Nine and ten against the Cardinals when you definitely needed needed to be better than that against the St. Louis team that did make the playoffs. But yeah, the Brewers were just average that year, and the fifty games were truly kind of a mirage. So I'm hoping that that is not the case. Like I, I really don't want this to be another version of that. I hope that the Brewers sustain success. I, I really do think they can. They're getting healthier. Tyrone Taylor came back today. At some point, you'll get Luis Urias back. Um, and you'll kind of be fully set. And I, and the Brewers have kept Joey Weimer up. Uh, they sent Blake Perkins down, which I think is the right move. Weimer really can play defensively. He's out in center field over Taylor. I think they have something with him in center. I, I really think that that is not not by accident, right? Um, and Coors is not a, a easy center field to navigate. And so Weimer gets that chance. And we'll see if he gets even more opportunities um, as you know, the months progress and we'll see, you know, if Tyrone Taylor can kind of get a swing back. Obviously, I'm not expecting Tyler, Tyrone Taylor to just be Bryce Harper and be awesome right off the bat. But yeah, I I really do hope that this is not going to be another version of it. Um, and I guess if it does, like I'd rather just the bottom fall out early. Like I'd rather just be like, oh, remember April? And then you're just bad the rest of the way. Like again, a little bit loser talk, but I don't want to get my hopes up too much. And then maybe this is, Caution for all of us to not get too wound up about the Brewers. Um, but yeah, so we got a long way to go. I think this team is pretty solid. Uh, we'll definitely see what is left in Colorado. It never seems like the Brewers play well in Colorado. Um, maybe and hopefully you know they turn it around. Turn around tomorrow. I think Adrian Hauser is starting tomorrow. The Brewers are going with a six-man rotation, which is not exactly what I would recommend. Craig Council likes doing that. I'm not. A huge fan of the six-man rotation, honestly. Uh, but I would just sort of sent down Colin Ray. I don't, I don't exactly know what we've seen in Colin Ray to make us think that Colin Ray can do this. Eric Lauer, Kyle Freeland tomorrow uh, with an over/under of twelve uh, at the ballpark on Wednesday, and then on Thursday, what's the matchup here? It's Wade Miley versus TBD. So our guy Wade Miley getting a start. So they're going with Hauser on. Friday. Nope, Burnsy. What's this is exciting radio. Because I, I did see the note from McCalvey that they were going with Hauser. Yeah, well, I don't know. Colin Ray's pitching on 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 Saturday. Who knows? Who knows where what the Brewers exactly are <laughs> doing? Uh, but I do know Adrian Hauser started at some point, so I apologize for that. That's sloppy by me. I should have should have had that had that locked and loaded, and I'm just I'm just flailing in the wind, just expecting ESPN to come through for me, and they have let me down here. So I'm gonna put let me see here. Oh, okay. So McAlvey says it's trending towards a start. Craig Council says it'll come in San Francisco if a need arrives, arises. Hauser could be activated earlier. Hauser would be the sixth starter for the Brewers through this turn. So Colin Ray will stay, which not exactly excited about, but that's here nor there. And I mean, it, ballpark like AT&T is maybe a little more conducive for Colin Ray. So it seems like the Brewers are going to give their starters a little extra time, which I don't hate. Um, and I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, I am not okay with it with what's coming up in that schedule, but that will be talked about in importance rankings 
on Friday's show. We'll be back tomorrow with Mitch. Uh, we'll talk Bucks, talk Brewers. We'll probably talk a little Packers too. Um, get some thoughts there. And yeah, hope you guys have yourself a great Wednesday. Um, weather's warming up. We got to feel good about that. Uh, it looks like we're going to have a banger of a weekend for the Derby. Um, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Take care, guys. Have a good one. Bye.